Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Amen. You can be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of James. We'll be doing that for quite a while as we are just in the first chapter of James looking at this practical Christian living. Still in chapter 1. Warren Wiersbe tells a story about uh, a crisis in, uh, in the, the church staff where he pastored. His secretary came to him and, and let him know that there had been sickness in the family. Her husband had a stroke. He was now in the hospital and it was just devastating the whole family. And so Wiersbe says this, um, I'm praying for you. You ever hear somebody say that? We all say that. So she asks him a question he really didn't expect. She says, what are you praying for? And he's thinking, and he's a pastor, very spiritual. He says, I'm, I'm praying for strength for you and your family. And she says, oh, I really appreciate that. But she tells him what to pray for. She says, would you pray for wisdom that I will not waste all of this? I thought, what a good prayer. When there's a crisis that comes to your life, when there's a trial, when there's a difficulty, we want to pray ourselves through that. We talked about that last week, the endurance through the trial. But I like that perspective where she says, pray that I wouldn't waste this. In other words, pray that this circumstance would be something that God would give me wisdom about so that he could teach me the lessons he wants me to learn. So that's really what we're looking at in this passage of James, beginning in verse 5. Asking for, receiving God's wisdom in the midst of trials. Verse 5, you follow along as I read aloud. Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person, I like the way he says that, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Look at verse 9. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and the beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. A man who endures trials is blessed because he, when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. We need to understand the context of what James is, is talking about here. Some have struggled with the whole book of James because it seems that he goes from topic to topic. But I want to try to address these statements about wisdom and about the rich man and poor man in the context of enduring trials. Remember the verses we looked at last time. Verse 2, consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must complete it. Do its perfect, complete work that you may be mature, lacking nothing. So James is in the context of trials. 
First thing he says is, consider it joy, count it joy, reckon it as joy. We looked at that last time, that it's not joy for the trial, but joy because God is going to use the trial for his glory. I don't rejoice in it, but I rejoice in the fact that God is going to use it for his glory. So in the context of that, he then says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. So let's look at four brief statements uh, for us today in applying this. How how is God going to use that trial to mature me? Number one, I have to recognize the need for God's wisdom. Recognize the need for God's wisdom. Verse five, now if any of you lacks wisdom, in other words, since you lack wisdom, recognize it, acknowledge it, understand that, that you need to understand this trial from God's perspective and not your own. Have you found how difficult that is? I have. In the midst of the, the stuff of life, to keep God's perspective. To say, okay, God, I know you want to use this for your good, for your glory, for my good and for your glory. Remember Romans 8, 28, 29? We know that in all things God works together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 29 says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The purpose of those things God is using is that he would make me more Christ-like. We looked at that last week. So I have to recognize it's not just going to be something I can figure out. I have to say, God, you need to give me your wisdom, your perspective for this. We need to pray the prayer that that secretary asked her pastor to pray. Pray that I wouldn't waste this. Pray that God's wisdom could be embraced and applied. Recognize the need. I was reading an account this week about a certain rescue in the mountains in western United States and how some children had been rescued and how dramatic it was. And as they were describing the story of what had happened and how glad they were that those children were rescued, the, the author of the article commented on the fact that children are easier to rescue than adults. And here's the reason. Because children recognize when they're lost and they stop, and they hunker down, and they find a place to sleep for the night, so then they can stand up and start screaming for help. What do adults do? They say, they just keep figuring out, I can figure it out. You ever been lost like that on a, on a hike, on a trail, and you keep thinking, if I just go a little bit further, I'll figure it out? What happens? You get more lost. Our tendency, human nature, is to try to figure it out ourselves. We need to be like kids and say, oh, I'm lost. I need to sit down and wait for my rescue. We need to recognize I need to sit down and wait for God's wisdom to show up and show me what he wants me to do. So number two, once we recognize it, very simply, we need to request God's wisdom. Again, picking up in verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Ask God for wisdom. And he, he gives us this conditional, uh, uh, this, this encouragement. This God who, give, who we're to ask gives to all generously without criticizing, and it will be given. In other words, he's not going to be a condemning God. I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. He's going to say, let me help you, let me help you, let me help you. We make this request. He gives this picture here. Let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. One writer translated this, that, that we respond to trials sometimes like a cork floating on a wave. Well, that's a good image for me. Corks float like nothing else. 
And when that wave is blowing, that cork's just going wherever the wave is. He says, don't do that. Don't don't be the one who says, I'm never going to get out of this. God couldn't even figure this one out. You ever say that in your heart? You may not say it to him, but you may say it in your heart. Ask him. It's interesting, this, this, uh, this verse 6 there. But let him ask in faith without doubting. That's an imperative present active tense, which, which means ask and keep on asking. It's the same tense that's used when Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. It, it literally says, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. James is saying, I shouldn't just say, God help me understand this trial. Amen. And just wait. Well, yeah, you do that, but you come back and say, God, I really need you to help me understand this trial. I really need your wisdom. And we go over and over and over. It's a keep on asking. It, it denotes a continuous action. Repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And by the way, it's interesting that in the context of saying, ask and keep asking, but don't doubt, some people say, well, if you keep asking, you really haven't claimed it and named it. Well, the Bible says you just keep asking with the assurance that God's going to show up and do something, not as a doubter. I read a story about a rancher in Colorado recently who received 9,734 separate mailings from National Geographic saying, please renew your subscription. Now, that's a computer glitch, right? I don't know at what point, maybe, I guess at 9,734, this rancher said, okay, that's enough. He dropped what he was doing. He drove 10 miles to the nearest post office and sent in a money order with a note, and it said this, I give up. Send me your magazine. <laughs> Folks, we're, we're not to give up. We're to be as persistent asking for God's wisdom as National Geographic was <laughs> Trying to get that subscription renewed. And that the James says, believe that you're going to get an answer. God, you ask God, who gives all generously without criticizing, and it will be given him. He mentions in verse 6, the person who's doubting, verse 7, he says, that person, it's almost this derogatory term, that person shouldn't expect to receive anything. That person who doubts whether or not God's going to come through. That person who doesn't understand that God has a plan and purpose. That person may never get that answer because they don't understand God's going to give the wisdom. It means to come with him believing that he's going to answer. Nancy Spiegelberg wrote a little poem. I, I'm not big on poetry because I just don't understand it all the time. But this one I got. This is her, her prayer. She says, Lord, I crawled across the barrenness to you with my empty cup, uncertain in my asking that any small drop of refreshment would come my way. If only I had known you better, I'd have come running with a bucket. We go to God asking, God, give me wisdom, and I got my cup ready for all your wisdom. And God answers generously. God gives us perspective on the trial, perspective on what he's doing that we are overwhelmed by. And we say, God, if only I'd have shown up with a bucket, I wouldn't be wasting this opportunity to grow. Verse 6 says, let him ask without doubting. Without doubting. What's a doubter? Yeah, God's going to do it, but maybe not. Yeah, I believe him, but I haven't seen him. Just back and forth, back and forth. It's like the, the guy with the, I had a baseball cap one time and I had a bill on both sides, left and right. You didn't put it on with the bill in the front, you had one to each side. And basically, it's, I'm not sure where I'm going. 
I'm not sure what the answer is going to be. He says, don't come to me that way. Don't ask me that way. So I need to recognize the need. I need God's wisdom in this. And I need, to, I need to make the request, God, I'm asking you to give me that wisdom. And it has to be a persistent request. Recently read about American students compared to Japanese students on, on scores and uh, exams. And Japanese students consistently score higher. And, and someone said, well, it's because they have more of a a bias toward the mathematical and all that stuff. And so some researchers decided, let's figure this out. What's the, the reason? So they went to some first graders, I believe, and they, they gave them a difficult puzzle to solve, and they started clocking and watching how these kids solve this puzzle. And the Japanese kids wouldn't give up. The American kids gave up. They said, the study said that Japanese children stayed at it 47% longer than the kids from America just trying to solve the puzzle. They said it has nothing to do with aptitude and ability. It has everything to do with persistence and effort. Staying with the stuff. You say, well, I'm not a prayer warrior. God doesn't seem to to hear my prayers. Be persistent. Be persistent. Ask. Number three, recognize the need, make the request. Number three, rejoice that trials eliminate distractions. In our lives. Now, last week I read chapter uh, the, verse two and, and talked about how we're to rejoice that God's using that, but I want to talk about it from a different perspective here, using this, I believe, an illustration that James gives. Rejoice that trials eliminate distractions in our lives. Look at verse nine. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation. Let me just look at that right there, and he goes on to explain it. The people who are lowly and poor get lifted up, that exaltation, get lifted up if we have God's wisdom applied to our trials. And the people that are all boastful how they've got it together and and maybe they've attained this wealth and success, God says, I'm going to use trials to humble you. So really what he's saying, I believe, is trials are the great equalizer. That person who doesn't have is going to be be given a place of honor and that person who has a lot is going to be brought down and you're going to be the same. What that says to me is the things that distract us, the person who doesn't have worried about what he can get and the person who has too much worried about hanging on to it, trials are going to bring us down to level playing field. Have you noticed that? You watch the wealthiest people, some of the most popular people in our society that everybody looks up to when, a, when there's a sickness or something hits their family a loss. They're just like the rest of us. Level playing field. And you notice a person who may not have much at all when they go through a trial, they're right there where you are, with you in the trial. Trials tend to eliminate the distractions in our lives. Sometimes we'll talk about how important it is to rearrange our schedule and and make sure we're doing the important things. And stuff comes up in our family, like my wife's always telling me, you need to take a break, you need to get away. We say, well, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. But when a crisis comes, we set aside the calendar, don't we? Tell you what, when the, the National Weather Service says there's a hurricane coming to Rockport, Texas, our schedules don't really make much difference to anybody, do they? Yeah, but I was going to do that. Yeah, well, you better get out. Trials have a way of eliminating the stuff that we think is important. God says, I'm going to show you what's really important. Keep your eyes on me. 
New York Times carried an article recently called The Joy of Quiet. Talked about how in our society we're just connected all the time electronically. They said there's a place, a clifftop resort in Big Sur where people are paying $2,000 a night for the privilege of not having TV and internet. Think about that. They call it the Black Hole uh, Resort. Or the Black Hole Resorts, that's what those kind of resorts are called. They're saying, we've got a place where you can go and say, and you cannot get a cell phone signal. I love those places. Where you can't get internet. We won't even have a TV. You can go in this black hole and be quiet. What they're saying is, let's, let's, let's capitalize on this need that people have to get away from distractions. I love that. Rejoice that trials eliminate distractions. If you ever watch a professional tightrope walker, they, 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 if I'm on a tightrope, this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be watching where I put one foot in front of the other. You know what they do? They don't watch their feet. They don't watch their arms. They don't watch their legs. They don't watch the rope. They look ahead. Because they say, if you start looking at the rope, the cable, you're going to fall off. I think that's a great picture. That, that a trial in my life gets my eyes off of those things in my life and puts my eyes on the Lord. Distractions are eliminated. But, but then he closes with this great news here, the last part of verse 5. We get to receive the gift of wisdom. He says it very simply, if we will ask... God who gives to all generously without criticizing, it will be given to him. Receive it. If something is given to you, you don't earn it. It's a gift. Oh, I have this great wisdom. Well, if you do, then God gave it to you. Receive this gift of wisdom. He says God gives generously without condemnation or disapproval, without that criticism. Wisdom. One of my favorite stories is about Henry Ford building one of his factories and he had these generators built for the factory and he hired a specific firm, a man by the name of Charlie Steinmetz built these generators and the, the factory was humming along real good and the generators broke down and quit working. So they, all of their mechanics tried to fix these generators and they couldn't. So they called Charlie Steinmetz and said, you designed these things, can you come help us? So he spent a couple of hours tinkering banging on the deals, working, looking at stuff, and went over and threw a switch, and all the generators started to hum, and everything was great. They were all happy. So Henry Ford gets this bill from Steinmetz. It's for $10,000 for a couple of hours' work. Now, that's a lot of money back in those days. So Ford contacts Steinmetz and says, I don't understand this. You only worked a couple hours. What's this? So he sent him back an explanation, an itemized bill. It said this, for tinkering with the generators, $10. For knowing where to tinker, $9,990. Folks, God knows where to tinker. The wisdom of the sovereign almighty God of the universe, he says, I will give you. Let me tinker. Let me show you. Let me demonstrate. He gives it. Look at this description in verse 12. The man who endures trials 
And I believe by the context, the man who gets the wisdom of God in those trials and applies that is blessed because he passes the test. He will receive a crown of life that God has promised those who love him. There's a blessing. There's an approval. That crown of life, we're not sure what all that means. The Bible talks about as believers we receive this crown that never fades away. The, the, the athletes, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians about the athletes get a, a crown that is made of, of uh, laurels or made of vines and leaves, but they fade and they die. But the, the believer gets a crown that doesn't fade. And I believe this is just reward from the Lord. The gift of wisdom to endure that trial brings you to the point of understanding that God's using it for his good, for my good and for his glory. Receive that gift. Say, God, I need it. I'm asking you for it. I want your perspective. I'm going to rejoice that it keeps my eyes on you. And God, I I receive that gift freely and welcome it. Because only from you, Lord, am I going to know how to get out of this. To get out of it what you want me to. It's an article in Runner's World magazine about Bethann DeCantianus is how her name is. I'll call her Beth Ann, okay? She attempted to qualify for the 1992 Olympic trials. So they were running a 26-mile marathon. The female runners, in order to qualify for the trials, had to run that marathon in two hours and 45 minutes, just to, or better, to qualify. So she's running her marathon, and at, at, at mile 23, she starts to struggle. And she stumbles. And she picks herself up and she keeps going. She gets close to the finish line, about 200 yards from the finish line, and she stumbles again. And she stays down for quite a while, and the crowd is yelling, get up, get up, get up. And she gets her, picks herself up, and she kind of makes her way to the finish line, and she falls down just a few feet from the finish line. And folks, the clock is ticking, and the crowd is screaming, you can do this, get up, move on. And she crawls across the finish line in two hours, 44 minutes and 57 seconds. And folks, that wasn't the way you want to finish a marathon, but she finished. I don't know how we're going to finish. I don't know where I'm going to end this thing, but I, I do know the Bible promises if we are faithful to endure, God's going to use it. He's going to give us his wisdom and there's going to be a blessing, a reward. Are you in it for the long haul? Are you in it for the marathon? You may have stumbled, You may be crawling, but keep your eyes on the prize. Let's pray together.